to Red Python Radio. In this episode, we are starting a new series called the NPR Book Club. If you listen to the show, then you know what a fan we are of her books. We've done shows in the past where we talk about our favorite books, if we got a new one or one that we've been looking for and finally we're able to track down. But in this series, we're going to discuss a specific book and what our takeaways were from that book. Deep dive into the book, if you will. We started out the series with a book that really stood out to me, The Secret Social Lives of Reptiles. This book blew me away with some of the thoughts that I had about reptiles and how wrong they were, how they interact with nature and even with each other. This book is a bit on the academic side, but I promise that there's something in here that will open your mind to something about our understanding of reptiles. So let's get into it. Welcome to episode number 487. We've been away for a couple of weeks. No, what, what, well, one, right? What? Uh, one? Yeah. Yeah, one week. One. We one week. I don't know. We we dropped the ball once again and uh We didn't we didn't necessarily drop no, the ball. No, we, we postponed no, it. I had a concert yeah. to go to. We postponed it and then then you know. the president came to town and apparently traffic tends to go haywire so you got caught up in that. Um and then yeah but that was friday yeah and then i had a bunch of stuff to do over the weekend yeah so like getting married and not stuff yet like and that, that didn't happen yet too <laughs> like it no, was, I, <laughs> yeah i know but you got to prepare I, dude um, caterers suck <laughs> like, oh yeah i mean I'm, I'm about to put a drill to my temple and be like this will out yet yeah, now oh yeah. my god so Tonight we're going to be talking about, we've been talking about doing, so part of the other, well, for me, really, the 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 main thing that, that kept postponing this show is just trying to get through the book. It is, it uh, does get dry in some spots. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's, 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 it's very a very scientific it's a book. book, but it's very, yeah, it's, it's written by, um, by scientists. Um, it's called The Secret Social Lives of Reptiles. I've talked about it multiple times. Mm. Uh, authors are... Uh, Jay or Sh- uh, Sean Duty, Vladimir Deans, and Gordon Burkhart. Um, I'll do that. Yeah, fine. <laughs> <laughs> it was published uh, 2021, um, and basically, it just dives into the question, like why we have difficulty perceiving reptiles co- as complex social li- as having complex social lives, and. Yeah. Other behavioral attributes such as personality, receptivity, and you know, having some sort of family structure, interactions with each other when it comes down to that, like how does that affect their everyday lives and stuff that we do we do tend to people tend to put reptiles down at the bottom of the scale, especially yeah. um reptiles without legs or the ones that live in the water so we're talking like (laughs) you know alligators crocodiles um rattlesnakes which which this is hideously appropriate because the sweet water roundup is going on today so and that just made me oh yeah oh wow yeah still going on still happening Mm. 2022 still happening but anyway um but it's (laughs) but that just brings that up where it's like 
you, you know, we've had that discussion numerous times. If there was a convention where people cut up a bunch of cats, skin them alive, and killed them, like they would be sh- and hand printed their kids and the wall. On the people wall, would lose their fucking minds. But because yes. it's a really scary yes. looking reptile, you you gloss over all this other stuff of interactions. And rattlesnakes are mentioned a few times in this book of having yeah. diverse social structures and stuff like that. So that's. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a it's 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 an interesting book. Mm-hmm. It's just it's it there's it's uh to it's it's not quite like reading a scientific paper. Close. But it's, it's on that level, <laughs> yeah. you know. Um so it, it just really takes some time to digest mm-hmm. and um we wanted to make sure that the first book we did, we did, you know, uh, uh, tried to do a good job of of representing we what did, it was we, about. We definitely did a doozy. Yeah. Yeah, so uh I, yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't pick the complete carpet. I mean, something <laughs> easier, you know? simpler, you know. Yeah, but I think, I think, I think to your point, Owen. I think that that this book came out at a at a very good. It came out at a good time for the topic mm-hmm. because you see a lot of people, um, you know, uh, pushing for more. Uh, understanding behaviors of, of reptiles and, and keeping them in captivity and, uh, and, a, and a push to sort of, you know, give them enrichment. And I think of a couple of years ago where that was like sort of a, a bad word to say in the reptile world. It's like, if you said enrichment, it was like, what are you talking Why? about? Because it doesn't need I, think, it. I, th- I think, I think at least when I first heard that word, mm-hmm. I thought of things like enrichment as far as mammals go. Right. Uh, in a zoo or in, you know, in something like that. And um, it doesn't necessarily equate to that. Uh, it could be, you know, changing out a, a, a branch in the, mm-hmm. in the, you know, adding a shed skin or, you know, putting, uh, putting um, <laughs> something for them to smell scent. Like there right. are certain types of enrichment, hiding food right. prey items. Right. You know? I mean, there's certain types of enrichment that, that you could possibly do for a mammal that you could also do for a reptile. And there's other ones you, 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 you can't depends on the animal. If you put a ball right. in with a snake, I doubt it's going to play with it. I really do. I might get proven <laughs> wrong, but I really doubt it. But if you throw a ball into uh, the water in a crocodile habitat, it will probably bash that thing around and attempt to kill it, but still having fun with it. So yeah. Yeah. Right. Still enrichment. So yeah. So I think that, um, I think that this book came out at a good time mm-hmm. and, and it really is not, it's really not a, a book per se that I would say that the that's geared towards the like the reptile hobby. No, I think no, it's really it's, geared towards herpetology. Yeah, and, I mean, trying to figure out. And, and I would agree. This on. is not. This isn't a care sheet. This isn't. No. This isn't. This is how you enrich your corn snake. Step one: get corn snake. Step two: toy. Step three: done. Like this isn't what the majority of the reptile community or hobby are going to look into there's going to be a select few people that do or who come over from mainstream herpetology and kind of help us along yeah and that'll be where we'll all get the data from so uh but because the other thing it doesn't really give you ideas of what to do it just kind of explains where it is and and i remember like uh, page three of the book it starts with the breaking, break, uh, breaking social, non-social uh, dichotomy. It's like, uh-huh. and I'm like, and that's the thing is, it's like, just so you know, social interactions with reptiles can be 
anything, including male to male combat. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I, I guess that is a social interaction of some kind. And it's like, yes, knocking when that when I read that, it was like that just kind of breaks that completely apart. It's like they're not all cuddly and they're not all happy and they're not cuddling in a pile but male-to-male combat is social and we have that with mammals and stuff that lions fight all the time over territory and things like that so you can have that social interaction so you know even talking about enrichment even doing combat with your males at breeding season is some form of enrichment to their lives so yeah yeah Yeah. i think like um the one thing that 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 it, it gets you sort of thinking mm-hmm. a little bit outside the box of, of what you may uh, <clears throat> normally think about reptiles as if you're sort of just not wanting to learn more. This, the book just, just solidified the fact that there's so I know much nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's absolutely mind boggling of how much I've, learned in this book to where i'd have to go back and like reread it again at some point and yeah. um like to just my whole idea of reptiles in the wild um just completely uh different you know a lot of the uh, a lot of like snakes in particular mm-hmm. um details of their courtship or their breeding are better known for captivity yeah. rather than in the wild and <clears throat> the thing about that is, is that, you know, this was one of the notes that I wanted to start with mm. is that this is a plus side for us and perhaps a way that we can be a bit more professional about what we do. And maybe we would be accepted more from the academic side. Um, and I think when you have that, you know, where you look like you are legitimately trying to understand these animals from a scientific point of view, I think that helps with things like legislation. It, it especially really does. if you have if you have scientists, herpetologists, or herpetologists, uh, sort of in your on your side, right. you know. And Dr. Lofman has talked about this multiple times about how, you know, although it may get you clicks, and although you may be looked like as uh, somebody important in the hobby. Are you really doing anything for the hobby? And and I it really made me sort of like, you know, take a step back and say, oh, okay, wow. You know, this is sort of like one of those moments where you sort of think like, okay, what, do, what am I doing to make the hobby better and better understand these right. animals? And I think for us is like, you know all these podcasts and everything case in point yeah no drama and not you know uh, obviously you know maybe we don't get this we don't get five million views an episode or something like that but um i think ultimately we're doing at least trying to do what's best uh you know for uh, also it's like the problem is is that a lot of that stuff people don't see beyond like uh, I I I'm recalled. I think Riley got into it with somebody about a venomous snake handling, right. and it's like, well, they some people believe that they are showing that the animal deserves um, respect and that it shouldn't be feared and stuff like that. I'm like, there's ways to do that without putting yourself in danger by like free handling or something like that, and. Right. You know, it, it's the problem is, is that there's always a justification because you don't want to admit it that you're just doing it for the clicks, for the likes, for the, everything like that. And right. there's no 
like I I don't know why people like especially after reading the book, it's like people tend to try to get the animal to do threat displays and stuff like that for you know to to, to be showier, flarier, this that and the other thing, or they try to. Um, hold the animal or handle the animal until it gives up being like trying to get away or do whatever instead of like, you know, it's like there, there's a lot of, you know, being an animal in captivity is stressful enough. Um, adding stress is just plain stupid. Like even, (laughs) even if you're just like, even like right now, our animals, like, our female carpets right now, this is a very stressful time for them. Several of them are going to be laying eggs soon. And right. this, that, and the other thing. And it's like, don't add to it. You don't need to add to it. It's plenty there. So, yeah. yeah. I, uh, you know, so I, I guess the thing, like, the, the it's broken down like this. Mm. Um, it talks about mating systems. It talks about communication. This is the chapter on mating itself. Yep. Um, there's a chapter on communal egg laying and there's a chapter on parental care uh, when it comes to reptiles. And it's sort of it, the thing I like about it is it kind of separates it out as, you know, uh, the different uh, species mm-hmm. of reptiles, you know, the different types of reptiles. So you have, you know, it'll talk about snakes specifically in one part of the chapter. It'll talk about lizards in another and, you know, where some of that may overlap. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll sort of talk about that. But like just little crazy things about like, you know, I have a highlight here. It says, I don't even know why I highlighted other than it's a crazy fact. <laughs> it's like Western Diamondbacks yep. um, um, can rattle 90 times per second continuously for hours at a time demonstrating an aerobic capacity rare among vertebrates it's one of the fastest muscles in the animal kingdom is the the being able to to rattle it which is nuts and then like there was another one where it talked about uh black tree monitors Mm -hmm. and they use their forelimbs to reach into cavities and grab and extract prey um you know i mean I've heard of I've seen things like that I guess maybe as of recently and I guess this goes to this whole thing of uh, you know trying to uh, give your reptile you know I see people and keepers and whatnot especially with monitors because I think I think monitors from from what I have observed being in that uh, world uh, for recently um, is that they're they're really smart animals and i think that you can't really approach an animal that that is as smart as they are and not give them some sort of you know you know some kind of enrichment to sort of you know well, keep I, their minds going and stuff and dude i mean like i was going through the crocodilian thing and and, and going through all their different especially around mating season with the males of all the different displays that they do. It's almost like birds trying to lure in a female by like dancing and shit, like with head (laughs) slapping, tail slapping with the males doing that arched posture where their head and tail are up out of the water and they bellow doing that water dance across their backs. And apparently that's something that's a posture that's adopted by all crocodilian species, except for the gharial. And I'm like, well, what the fuck does the gharial do? (laughs) (laughs) It's like, you know, it's, it's that kind of stuff. Cause it's like, you don't, you don't 
think about it in like, and I've seen alligators bellow and do all that stuff at, right. at like gator farms when they each want their own little spot after they all come together to eat. They'll go to that is pretty. Cool, I mean, it, it, you feel that in your chest. <laughs> yeah. So like yeah. they go to a different spot and then they start bellowing, but like you don't. I always thought of like, well, you part of it thinks of it as like a threat display, territorial display. That's it. But with the hierarchy of these river systems with crocodilian species that only the biggest, baddest guy can, you know, he's the one who breeds with most of the females and stuff like that. It's like it's very territorial and it's very, you know, something that you don't think about. But like you're like, I wonder if all the people who have caimans or alligators or crocodiles and like those big giant water troughs, think about this crap. <laughs> like it's, yeah. uh, I, it's nuts. And yeah. Yeah. But you don't think about that. You think about it with crocodiles and alligators stuff like that after you kind of go through it is that they do do territorial displays, but then, you know, basically with the way this book is set up with all the different things and all the different chapters, you're like, Oh, communal nesting. Probably nothing about snakes in here. Oh shit! <laughs> like and it's just like right in yeah. there. You're like, oh, <laughs> never mind. Yeah. So, yeah, it was. Uh, you know, again, just to here's something mm. that that stood out to me. They talk about the tuatara. Yeah, uh, it was nuts. And um, their breeding processes. Yeah, it was long and involved. <laughs> A female needs one to three years to form <laughs> eggs with yolk, yep. up to seven months for the shell to form. So it takes up to five years from copulation for to a baby. Hatching. Yeah, that's why they don't do well. You can't keep them in bins, and it takes five years for babies. This, oh my God, man, that's like, uh, re, you know, reproduction occurs like two to five year intervals. Yeah. That, that's basically the slowest reptile, um, you know, and the sexual maturity is 15 years of age. So it has to grow for 15 years before it can And then mate. five years before there's a kid. Five years oh my to, God. You know, like, so the, its first kid is when it's 20. Wow. That's nuts. Wow. And people it's, are like, oh, it's not ready to breed by four, sell it. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, well, here's one mm. that's uh, popular to the hobby is the Australian bearded dragon. Yep. Uh, and it was saying that sexual determination is usually usually uh, chromosomal, but at high temperatures can trigger sex reversals in adults with a subsequent switch to temperature-dependent sex determination. Transitions between chromosomal and temperature-based sex determination are common in reptile evolution and have it happened at least 17 times just in geckos. So where they'll be chromosomally, but then as the temperature rises, they'll switch sex? Yeah, well, I must, I must have missed okay, that let's part. Break this yeah, <laughs> okay. Sexual, let me, I'm going to go right to the actual part, part of the book. Yeah, okay. Um, I must have glanced over that part. <laughs> okay. It's basically saying that embryonic development in reptiles, particu particularly crocodilians, is very similar to that of birds. Right. One uh, notable difference is that although in all birds, the sex of the offspring is determined by chromosomes in many reptiles, including all crocodilians, most turtles, many lizards, and the tuatara is determined by incubation temperatures. Temperature. Right. <clears throat> in the Australian bearded dragon, sexual determination is chrom chrom chromosomal. Mm. 
but very high temperatures can trigger sex reversal in adult in in adults with a subsequent switch to temperature dependent sex determination. So does that mean that if the, they're kept too high, the adult will switch, or no, or that wait, the babies from reading, right? that the babies from that adult will now be temperature. Can trigger sexual wow. reversal in adults with a subsequent switch to temperature-dependent sex determination. I'm so that's so confusing. But at very high temperatures, <laughs> can trigger sex reversal in adults. That's what it says. With a subsequent switch to temperature-dependent sex determination, transitions between chromosomal and temperature-based sex determinations are common in reptiles. Wow, that's nuts. Yeah. I, I kind of feel bad now for everybody who's like, I bought two bearded dragons and then one was a male and it got mean and hurt the other one. I'm like, it might have switched. <laughs> like, I mean, now I'm like, oh man. I, I left the, the hot spot on all nice night. Now they're both boys and they're changed. mad at each other. Like, oh man. Yeah. Wow. Um, uh, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, there's all kind of crazy things in here. And, you know, a lot of it. You know, unfortunately, the thing with the thing that they keep hitting mm. over and over in the book is how like little reptiles are actually studied. So, you know, a lot of it is just hypothesis, 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 hypothesis. <laughs> when, uh, yeah, that's a tongue twister. Yeah, I know, right? Um, and uh, you know, it's just it's 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 kind of interesting to see you know how they're thinking about these things. Um, you know. It's it's you know and how difficult they are even just to study right. at all and you know? and you know small things like obviously snakes communicating through scent is not something that you would regularly think about but has to be a major part of how they communicate with each other whether it's females getting lauren in males or even just knowing if there's another snake in the area and right. you know we like obviously we see it with uh, this one part. Um, it talks about mimicking and how uh -huh. certain snakes will like just kind of evolve their entire lives around mimicking either a venomous animal that they might not even like the ranges for these two animals might come in contact like this little bit. <laughs> like it's right. like, uh, uh, or even if it's just a mimicking of either worms uh, with tail wagging, like they talk about uh, the spider tail viper or mimicking of a stick where if it uh, and i see this downstairs with my rhinos if they're down in the tanks and they're kind of leaning and there's a little uh -huh. bit of like if i turn on the ceiling fan they'll start kind of swaying in the breeze like they think they're supposed to with the rest of the sticks that are in the cage so it's so cool to think about that kind of stuff I'm going to send this quick message to Lucas to see what he makes of that statement that we just. Uh, oh, yeah. Let's see. I mean, this will be pop quiz, hotshot. Yeah. Large male Western Diamondback nicknamed Tyson. <laughs> the top of the group <laughs> of uh, in front of the communal den. Another like, you know. We, we even talk about it. We go to see where all the timbers go, and that thing's a communal den where we go to yeah. see the – like, it has to be. And oh, yeah, 100%. And rattlesnakes uh, stick, stick to each other in that kind of situation, which is nuts. Yeah, it was talking about um, uh, the one thing – you know, when you – the one thing that uh, always used to come up mm. 
um, when you would talk about um, uh, any kind of things like this, as far as this go is, uh, you know, monogamy when it comes to the uh, Taliqua Ragosa, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the shinglebacks. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So they've been known to exhibit long-term social monogamy during the breeding season. Um, they're a non-territorial species forms monogamous pair bonds for six to eight weeks before mating in late spring. And then the pair splits up after mating, but usually reform the next year. Um, and then I think there was two studies, 77% and 79% of the females were paired with the same partner across years. So, it was uh, 141 partnerships. Uh, 110 of those lasted more than 10 years. 31 lasted more than 15 years. And the longest recorded one was 27 years and counting. Jesus Christ. Wow. Well, and then it goes to something else where it's like, so, you know, I, I was talking to a friend today who's got a pair of snakes that we're about 99% sure are a pair. And it uh-huh. should be relatively easy to breed because they're Morelia, but he just can't get them to go. And it just makes you think that sometimes, like we talk about cues for breeding all the fucking time, but right. and there's always those rumors of you need multiple males for certain species. Well, maybe right. you do. Maybe you need some kind of interaction where, because this this one study, it's a study of brown snakes, said right. that for. Showed outside the mating period, males and females will follow the chemical cues of uh, the other animals in the area, regardless of sex. But during mating season, males will exclusively follow the female trails. They will avoid male trails as much as possible. Um, They'll only follow female trails. But females will follow both male and female trails, thinking that males – they're thinking that males, you know, it's obviously looking for – it, the, the females following the male trail to look for a mate, but it's also following a female trail to see if it's led to any kind of good hunting ground, this, that, and the other thing. So it's yeah. all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I told, I I've said numerous times, throw in the sheds of my other males in the carpet cages usually tends to get everybody all ripped up into a tizzy, you know, but <laughs> right. Maybe throwing the female sheds in the cages too. Could be, you know, I, I mean, again, these are things that like, I think that, I think the beauty of a book like this is that it gets you to start to think. Yeah. And like, maybe you can do some, you know, again, it's all going to be, you know, you're not going to be able to publish a paper off of it, but at least you could maybe have a better understanding of, you know, your snakes in your room or your reptiles in your room and like really try to hone in on, um, you know, these cues that we might be missing, yeah. you know, we might be, you know, you keep it in a sterile box. We might be missing those. Right. Things, you know, um, I wonder if, uh, you know, the idea of having all those males and females in one room, I wonder if that affects. It, it has to. Cause I mean, like, you know, case in point, you know, he's still going yeah. nuts and you know, it's, <laughs> <laughs> like two weeks two ago, weeks he's ago still he's still pissed up. off because he hadn't right. been in there with her yet so it's like he's she's in the room and the second he got he he was perfectly fine being the only rough scale in the room the second he moved into a room with two females he's lost his mind so right. it's also the right time but like it they have to know for these things to be able to track each other down in the wild where there's more stuff smells 
you know, overloading of the senses and stuff like that to just in their, in your own room, they have to know where they are. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. The, you know, <clears throat> the one thing, um, I thought the uh, whole chapter with communication, um, like nuts, dude. <laughs> it's pretty interesting. Yeah. It's, I mean, they, they can pick up on a lot and, and even some of the stuff that, you know, we kind of don't notice, like we all think, Oh, well they, we walk in the room and they kind of see us, smell us, do whatever. And they come out the kind of interaction, but they may also hear us and just kind of, even if it's to sure. a certain point where we might not pick up on it. I mean, it, it's, it's insane. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the one pictures of the, uh, the two lace monitors combating and stuff like right. that. And like, and that's a big part of monitor, like even just socialization. Cause even the males will combat, the females will combat with each other over nesting sites, like Komodos and stuff like that. They do not share, but like, um, yeah, it, even then with just those kind of stuff, like that's something else that I know that there's some monitor species where people can't get them to breed, but you know, that's the other part is that we don't want to, you don't want to think about this part because obviously there's one of these guys in this fight could very much be hurt or killed. So. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, you know, like we talk about the one thing uh, that uh, one of the things that stood out to me was mm. um, we talk about all the time, like we change out the, the, the enclosure and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, let, let's say that you're keeping a, an animal on paper or something like that. You change it out. And immediately you put the snake back in and they go and they shit, shit in the water because now it smells it. It's got to smell like yeah. that. It's my territory. And one of the things that they talked about mm -hmm. um, in the book was, um, you know, again, obviously in, in the, the the example that they were using, they were using Western fence lizards. Right. Um, but they were talking about feces and how they use it to transmit information, it, you know, and it has been demonstrated with those fence lizards and various snakes, but uh, fecal chemicals of adult yeah. Um, so what was it? Uh, some kind of rock lizard, um, allow for self-recognition, recognition of familiar males, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, suggesting that, um, I think too, one of the things that they were speculating is, is that the, you know, is how they, I guess like how they, <laughs> for lack of a better word, shit. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, you know, could use as a um, multi-modal signal um, in territory marking, like meaning, I guess, you, you know, you can't come past this space or whatever. Use my rock, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, uh, there's that, uh, we talked, I think we talked about this before, but uh, there's this uh, species of chipmunk. Mm. I think it's a Siberian chipmunk and they can hijack uh, snake chemical signals by rubbing itself with the the skin of the dead Smart. snakes. Smart, yeah. Um, you know, uh, just crazy things, man. Of like, uh, you know, uh, just when it comes to uh, to all these different ways that they communicate that we're not even picking up yeah. on. And you know, like immediately, I don't know when. I think of like in my early days of snake keeping and they would shit in the tub. I would be like, ah, let me change it out, you know, because I can't be in there. And, you yeah, know, obviously yeah. we have this balance of, you know, uh, you know, keeping the snake 
healthy mm-hmm. and uh, the cage clean and, uh, you know, but maybe you can make it too clean. That's why for me, during the breeding season, I very, you know, obviously. Yeah, you, yeah, you, you, you clean, <laughs> you know, but, you know, it's one of those things yeah. of like Matt said it to me one year. Now is the time to be lazy because. Right. And that's something else where it's like if you are keeping snakes on paper and you're not sure if your female's ready to go yet and she maybe peed a little bit or has some dirty paper, throw it in the mail's cage. If he is obsessed with that paper, it's time, time to go. Um, I have this one section highlighted, which, and I did it just for you, my friend. Okay. Um, Okay. It must be about the moon. (laughs) No, no, that's later, I think. But much more rarely, combat in the Kimberly Rock Monitor can, can last nearly two hours. Oh god. 2 hours those little shits like they're just, Wow. Yeah. They don't call him the Lord of the Kimberly. Yeah, they, for you nothing. don't get that title without <laughs> like you got to be able to fight for 2 hours. Jesus Christ. Wow. Um it's nuts. Yeah, so I was saying about that. Yeah. I forgot to finish that statement Good. with the chipmunk, mm-hmm. but um they think that the reason that um that the the chipmunk does this is because it's trying to protect itself from predation by snakes or, or so if they smell like a snake it's going to sort of avoid it right or know? that or they're trying to protect you know they found a good den and they got their 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 you know they got their pinkies or anything you know hiding in this nest but if the whole nest smells like snake nothing no rat's going to go in there and try to you know muck around in that little tunnel or no other right. hamster's going to go try to steal something they'll just avoid that tunnel yeah yeah you know um they uh what was it uh what was the other thing that i read too about um when it came to that it was uh discoveries described below made it clear that the turtle and snake communication is also complex and worth studying and numerous papers were published on chemical communication in snakes Although almost all of them were focused on a handful of model species. So they talk about you know, the model species where they have these specific species that they sort of study. And the problem is, is that I guess that they sort of apply it generally to, to sort of snakes. Right. But obviously there's so many different species of snakes. Right. And some might display it or display it in different ways or have different interactions or it means different things like to generalize it as like snake do this is yeah because yeah. we even just as keepers of multiple species know not every snake is the same if it was we'd be drowning in bull and i right now so <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. yeah well i do have a thought about that that we'll get we'll to. get to we'll later get to the, uh, the thing are you listening that, um, keith not yet just turn it up later yes <laughs> um you know, again, uh, you know, I, it was uh, courtship and mating. Mm-hmm. Um, they talk about um, snapping turtles are apparently extremely violent when it yeah. comes to breeding. It's like, yeah. oh my god! <laughs> like, I think out of, um, I think out of, well, I f- probably python people, mm. probably especially carpet python people, probably have that idea early on about combat maybe morelia in general would you say do roughies roughies don't combat right i do not have an extra mail or i'd let you know <laughs> it's like it would just, <laughs> we would do a lot we, we, well, let's figure right it out let's chuck him in yeah. and see what happens um i think any at, at this point you know if you would ask me that question like 
six, seven years ago? I'd be like, probably not. Right. But now I'm right. like, screw it. I think any snake male can probably combat another one if the need right. arises. Like, you know, it's depends on the circumstances. I, I think if we haven't seen it, it's because a lot of the species that we haven't seen it in are either in remote areas or tend to stay away from each other and kind of lead solitary lives anyway. So they only come together maybe for breeding season. And if a male's tracking down another female and smells another male, maybe he'll avoid it or, you know, this, that, or the other thing, or he'll show up and then they'll just be like, Oh, and go their separate ways. But a lot of it, like, I mean, mainly we see communal or combating is in larger Morelia where obviously they're all going to be where all the good stuff is, you know, the warm spots, the sun, this, that, and the other thing. And then rattlesnakes, which are extremely communal. So, yes, it was rattlesnakes. Um, there was a Turkestan cobra. Yeah. Uh, that also uh, combats. Yeah. I, I dude, um, I'd say every, because the way they were talking about it is that even Viperidae um, combat. Uh, male displaying raises his interior position of his body to vertical. Uh, as if inverting, um, and the opponent will join the fight. So they'll almost turn their back end up, and then there's male combat, which I think Viper combat could honestly be a little um, mistaken for breeding in some instances. But again, like you wouldn't think about that with certain other Viperidae, but I'd say combat happens in all species of snake and might just look different across the board. We're so used to looking at one certain type, we might not associate it. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. And the one thing that I thought was interesting was um, they talk about all snakes, all snakes, and all snake sex appears to be consensual as opposed to many lizards and turtles. It is not. We're often forced. It is not. Um, Yeah. And it might explain why um, snake females are typically larger in males, while in other reptiles, the males are usually larger. Mm -hmm. But not always. But not always. But, um, yeah. They they also talked about snakes not... um, Rare, uh, rarely being territorial or having dominance-based social systems. Yeah, it's not like um, it's not like a the, there's not like a big man in the river where it's like that's the biggest diamond right. python. He owns the barn. It's like no, that's right. not like it. Just seems to be there's several diamond pythons or something like that. So it was, and the, they did. I think he's probably the the. It's probably a diamond python paper that they're referring to. But they say the exceptions predictably are snake species that practice male to male combat apparently putting males under selection for larger size. And we know this from carpets, right? right? Because just like you said, you know, the typically the, the species of carpets where uh, you have the females that are larger, the males typically don't combat things like in ricotta, diamond pythons, uh, uh, bread, bread. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if they combat. I mean, I can, but like, I bet you, you they would. I like Darwin's, bet you. Poplins, coastals, jungles. Well, I, again, all. then I also think it's got to be the boys. Because like right now, I have two males that are probably close to the same size. If I chuck them uh-huh. in with the female, I bet you they combat. Right. Just because they're both the same size. Now, if I had one male that was bigger, maybe the smaller male decides he's out. He's, I don't know. I'm done. I'm not doing this. But then 
I'll say that I had a smaller zebra jag male take on a jungle male that was almost twice his size. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. Yeah, you you think about that too. Like, I guess maybe carpets are hardwired. Maybe that's why we can breed smaller males to yeah. female. You know what I, I mean? Know. Like, we've seen some really small. Yeah, males like it's still got an egg tooth on female. it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I guess that ball pythons do that too. But, you know, I guess it just looks crazy when you have a carpet, big carpet. Yeah, it's um, much more noticeable with like a, a six, seven foot female carpet and like this little 32 month old male. And it's like, hey, go for it, buddy. You're like, yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah. There was this snake called um, a Monty Peeler snake, I think it was. Um, mm -hmm. And they were saying that basically uh, how. The courtship between the male and female of this species is probably uh, the most elaborate. And basically it breaks down like this, a male. Um, and the male is typically much uh, larger than mm -hmm. the female. Establishes this long-term bond with the female um, he copulated with. He guards her continuously uh, you know, until a few days prior to her laying the eggs, uh, aggressively protecting her from predators. And I guess humans are probably the biggest predator. Probably. Yeah. He says. Um, and helping with prey capture. And it's like the, the, you know, there's, there's anecdotal evidence um, uh, that in some uh, populations of this species, the guarding male provides the female with freshly killed prey. <laughs> Um, so this cool. behavior was reportedly so supportively is supposedly that that behavior was filmed for a documentary. That's nuts. Like, I mean, there was that Think one. About I that mean, that's exactly. insane. I, I, <laughs> it's just nuts. Can you imagine like going to feature male carpet and it's like, ah, and it like holds it in its mouth and just brings <laughs> it to the female. It's like, wait, what are you doing? <laughs> like it is. Uh, that's a snake. Yeah. That's a species of snake that, that does that. That's, that's so That cool. blew my mind. Man. Well, it's that like, I was reading the one part. I was just reading the one part where it's like they said that the uh was it the it's it's the what they said it was a Russian uh man I lost it. It was this monitor species that he will the male will find the female in his den after breeding, he will go down and dig the den out and expand it so that he can fit in there with her, and then uh -huh. he will guard her and he will stay with her until the eggs are deposited and then he will help her bury the eggs in it. And then they'll both peace out after that. Wow. But he'll stick to her like glue until the eggs are laid. Um, wow. That's crazy. Uh, you know, they, another one. So I think it's like, I'm trying to think of the species It's probably anacondas. I think he, uh, he's, he brings up, mm -hmm. um, the and I think garter snakes are in this too, where, well, obviously garter snakes are in this, but you know, breed ball. there's a female <laughs> and a breeding ball yeah. and they talk about that and like, you know, how, uh, you know, how that all works. And, um, you know, eventually a male, you know, sort of, uh, there was something, it wasn't in this book that I remember, but I remember with garter snakes, they were saying that, I hope I get this right, that, the garter snake goes and will sometimes um, – does he scent – like does he get the female scent on it or – I can't remember. I, I've, heard, I've heard that where it's like – so they'll breed and then – So they'll stay away yeah, and then, and then sort every, of moves I know them. that he – one time – there's been a couple times where a male garter will do something to get other males to come over 
to it so that it can go over to the female, whether it be scent marking, grabbing, like rubbing on the female and getting her scent, or even if it is some kind of like a display kind of a deal. I've heard that where they will do something to get other males off. I've also heard that they will stay on the female if they are locked with her as long as humanly possible to to, to make sure that other males don't get a chance to uh, breed with her. So, um, let's see. I'm gonna. See. I just tried to look it up mm. real quick to see if I could find. I mean, well, according to scientists involved in the experiment, uh, each bring uh, but, garters but, but, do garter things. Right. Yeah. So the, uh, power of estrogen. I did enjoy the uh, um, the the study pictures they put in there with the Toaterra. Where they had that one fake one that they could like pull the scale, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, 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 frills off of. They're like, let's see if this pisses him off, and it's like a fake lizard. And they're like, nope. And then they put like detachable frills on it, and it was like, oh, that that set him off. Like that one, that upset him. <laughs> yeah. Like it was yeah. like that. So I can't seem to find it. My that's what several frozen at the minute. That's what several studies are in the wild. Will this piss off the animal we're looking at? Yep. Yeah, it did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it did. yeah. Yeah. Mark that down. It does not like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, you know, Rob had that, uh, he has sort of that, uh, you know, he has those boas where, um, uh, the Jamaicans Solomon Island, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. tree, tree boas. Yeah. Um, they're small. But, yeah. Well, the, you know, he 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 puts like I think he puts a couple males. I know. Well, it's at least a couple males, mm-hmm. if not maybe a. You know, I don't know if he puts. Four, I can't remember. A shovel full like, of males like, in there. Shovel full of males. Get in there, good boys. But at least two. And and like what happens is he was saying that you know like that's sort of like something that sort of gets them going. We I talked about that with scrub pythons. I have been and, so tempted, so tempted. To yeah. run both male white lips through with the female and both male Timors in with the female. I have been so tempted. And why not? I don't know. I don't know. I have this mental block. I can't do it. It's like I'm afraid of what might happen. Um, right. And what might happen is eggs. And I don't know what that to do. I mean, like, yeah, it's I would say that I would let the male, my younger male Timor get a bit bigger. And then when he's bigger. I'd say I give it a shot. Right. And what I might end up doing is setting up what I would like to do is set up one pair of team wars up high and one pair of team wars down low, run uh-huh. the males together with one female and then separate them and immediately put the, like, I don't care. I'll hook one male. I don't care who it is, just a boy and put him in with the other girls. So now both males are like, good, kick that asshole out of my, my territory. <laughs> There you are, right. like in that. Right. <laughs> so that's the idea. I would, I would definitely give it a try, man. I would. I did it this year. I threw, like, I kind of did it this year. I threw the sheds of both the male. The other, do you get a reaction when you do that? I did uh, this year. I threw the sheds of both the other male and the other female into the cage with the older Timors, and uh-huh. I put them. I put the male shed up high on this one shelf, far away. I came in and the my older male was sitting on it on the other end of the cage. So he like went over, inspected it, knocked it off the ledge, dragged it across the floor of the cage, and then was sitting on it under the heat spot. So oh wow, yeah, 
Huh. Yeah. That's kind of crazy. I know, the female psyched me out yesterday. I thought she was beehived. And I'm like, <gasps> and then I poked her and she's like, what? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> that fake little beehive bullshit where it's like she's yeah. a little bit higher. And yeah. Yeah. But I'm like, no. And then I said that to myself. I closed it. I'm like, you've seen animals beehive. You know that wasn't a beehive. You just got excited. Yeah. Like, you know yeah. what that looks like. Isn't that funny how you're, our, our, you know it when you see it. But you'll trip yourself you up. You can't still. explain it, right? Yeah, but the but when you're doing something that you know it's a species that you didn't necessarily you know breed before, and you're thinking like, well, maybe there's a slight difference yeah, maybe, between no, how they do it and the other. <laughs> <laughs> but when you see it, you know. Sitting it. on top you of a mound of eggs, it looks different. It. Like yeah, it, yeah, no, it's not gonna look that different. But but in it's my so brain, hard. Yeah. It's so hard to like to be able to. Well, it goes, it goes to the thing we talk about every year, right? Yeah. You know, you'll come to my place. I'll go to your place. You'll be second guessing your females. I'll be second guessing mine. And you'd pick them up and you're just like, Jesus oh yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good Lord. What do you mean? You question. Know, she's as tight as a yeah, drum. Oh my God. I don't understand. Why are you doing, you know, but uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's crazy how these, like you see these things and it just, it th that makes me think like how much more are we missing and Tons. this really this really is what goes to my whole reason of me sort of cutting down my collection and and sort of being able to observe these mm -hmm. things because you know let's face it when you're doing it in tubs you're not you're not you get this even if it benefits the snake you're still not seeing it right you know right so it's and dude, I didn't think about half this stuff. Like that 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 one picture from Maryland, like of the 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 black rat snake communal nest. Oh, all the eggs in out of yes. the tree stump. On the are, tree stump. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, that's well. That yeah, this is the next chapter that I wanted to talk about. Yeah, that is. This, that, this. this was my favorite chapter. Yeah. Yes, so it was uh, communal egg laying. Not is, well, um, that's the other thing. It's like communal egg laying. Oh, yeah, like sea turtles. Oh, yeah, sea turtles. You're not going to be a single fucking thing in here about snakes. Holy shit. Like, it's, yes. yeah. And and some of them are, they it were species, there was um, oh, just all kind of crazy shit mm -hmm. uh, uh, about North American snakes and, and uh, you know, and to your point, the, the black rat snake. And I think there was a part with Pituophis. Yeah. And I think there was another part with um, Eastern hognose snakes. Um, just, oh my God. So basically communal egg laying is, you know, yeah, turtles are probably the best the example. Best example. Right? Yeah, they it's all like, come to the beach to lay their eggs there. Yeah. Right. 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 Um, so uh, I think, I I think I took from, from it that, you know, you can't really even really see reptile nests a lot of times mm. except for things like turtles and maybe crocodilians because they're leaving you know or, tracks or, behind or mom or whatever, is gonna you know? be there like within his like <laughs> and that's the other thing it's like yeah. a crocodile they kind of do communal egg laying but they give each other enough space that you can kind of almost say that it's not communal egg laying but they're all setting up on the bank of the river just they're giving our, each other a wide berth just like sea turtles and stuff like that but it is um Mothers laying eggs in a common area or adding to the eggs, it, it, it's of you know it, it's it's nuts. Yeah the uh, the thing that I was saying mm -hmm. about why we know so much about you know sea turtles or crocodilians is because them. people can find <laughs> yeah. them, right? You know what I mean? It's like 
find a snake nest. Well, yeah, like, or, you, like you, you said, know, we, or like, and we'll get into the monitor shit yeah. in a minute. But like, holy shit! Well, you can, the, the like you said, corks. you can track the turtle up the beach, and like, we, like I just said, you know which one the crocodile nest is because it's sitting on it. Like it's right. You're right. Find a snake nest. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, I think. Uh, what was it? Uh, you know, they talked about um, better as we. Uh, um, they did an analysis of three families of Australian lizards, cool. uh, basically geckos, the pygopods, and uh, the proportions of each species in each group rose to four to nine percent, from four to nine percent to seventy-three to a hundred percent of communal nesting when excluding species for which nests were unknown. So. Um, this analysis had two important implications. One, it strongly suggests that communal laying is much more common than previously realized, mm. and it highlights our inadequate knowledge of eggs and the nests of reptiles. <laughs> well, all right, uh, then. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, I think so. This was what I was talking with the pine snakes, uh, two species of snakes, the pine snakes. Um, so Pituophis, what is it? Melon. You know, I suck at Latin. I don't even know why you're asking yeah. me. <laughs> like <it's laughs> Melanocus. Perfect. I, I love it. Yeah. And the uh, Eastern hognose um, are known to excavate their own burrows explicitly for nesting. Right. So I think about, you know, we think about those pine snakes and, you know, they're that Jersey soil, right? And, uh, you know, specifically to that area, you know, and like, again, this is where being in that environment and actually feeling the sand Mm -hmm. and like, you know, Mm -hmm. and and knowing what that's like in in Jersey, right? You know, we know that because we live here. Yeah. it's just crazy that uh, those two species in particular, uh, you know, go out of their way to sort of uh, <laughs> excavate, excavate their burrows. To, to like, clean it all that, out, yeah. Good God, that's got to be a lot of work. Well, and that was sort of the thing of like using com- uh, the communal, you know, nesting, communal yeah. nesting is that that's a lot of work for the female. You got to think about it this the other way too. It's like, especially with collier birds. If the nesting spot is freaking great, why wouldn't they just put their eggs next to whichever female also put her eggs there? Why are they really going to go that crazy? But I would be I would love to see if it was also, you know, I mean, I know we showed the black rat snake or we talked about the black rat snake nest where it's like a communal nest of black rat snake recently cut down tree stump in Maryland. Um with the number of eggs and hatchlings recovered, the nest comprised of at least 22 mothers having put their eggs there. But wow. what I would love to know is, like, are they all black rat snake eggs? Like, how do you know there's not, like, a corn, <laughs> corn snake in there somewhere that's, like, yeah, screw that's it. That's awesome. Like, I mean, it, it it's well, what, so what, weird to think is about. Is corn snakes in that? I mean, I, prob- I, not really. But, oh. I mean... We don't have overlapping. We, I mean, we, I mean, do, do they overlap somewhere? I, they, of course they do. I mean, of course they do. They do, right? Yeah. Okay. I just don't know where. <laughs> it's like, well, like, <laughs> like even the yellow rat snake and the corn snake right, that's would the overlap thing. down south. Right. Exactly. Right? So okay. there, there's there has there's colubrid overlap in various yeah. points, 
in the United States. Like there, they, well, how do you know it's not a racer? Exactly. Or like that, you know, you know? <laughs> it's like, exactly. Like, you know, even up here we have black racers, we have black rat snakes, we have garter snakes, we have, um, water snakes and stuff like that. Like obviously they, the territories overlap. So of course, if they found the right spot to have babies or lay eggs, why wouldn't they? So, yeah, it was talking about, um, uh, you know, just the, the idea of a female, I think they used an iguana mm. is what they were talking about, but basically it's digging a nest burrow is per, perhaps the most, is the hardest and most energy. <laughs> it's it so costly <laughs> to a female. Um, we talk about this a lot after, you know, a python, carpet python comes off of eggs mm-hmm. and she maternally incubates and how horrible she looks, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, you, she's... God, man, it's just amazing. She's she's producing a clutch of eggs as it's developing inside of her. She's digging a burrow that's, you know, good Jeez. or a nest, like how long. Um, she's, she's not eating, so she doesn't have any room for, you know, for food because she's got all these eggs in her. Um, but her- it, it, it's even worse because like that one, the I know the one you're talking the motivated green and igua- uh, iguanas. They first they swam from the mainland to a small island. <laughs> oh, I forgot that yeah, part. Yeah, they swam to a small <laughs> island, and then they started digging. It's like wait. Right. So the the idea is is that if she can avoid the costly digging exercise, mm-hmm. why wouldn't she just use another uh, animal's burrow? You know, right? And, which basically aids in her survival, right? Yeah. Jesus um, Christ! Swim, swim across. The water, get to a wow. small island, put the eggs because apparently the island isn't big enough to sustain mammal life that would be that would dig up and eat the nest. So they swim there to put the babies there and then they lay the eggs. And then after all that digging and egg laying, they have to swim back <laughs> because they yeah, yeah. can't stay on the island. <laughs> it's like, dude, being an iguana sucks. <sighs> like it's, Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, you, you talk about monitor burrows Mm -hmm. and that's sort of in the same chapter. And I think in this example, they were using uh, Panoptes, um, is an Australian, uh, basically it's a yellow spotted monitor in Australia. Mm -hmm. Right. And, um, I think Gould's monitors use this as well, but they found this burrow and it kind of like corkscrews down and, um, if you're interested in this, there was a there was an article I can send you a link, and it shows you. And I think oh, what podcast was that on? Um, Pingle's podcast. Mm. They had uh, the guy. I don't know if it was the person that wrote the paper or if they were just talking about that, but they they had a discussion about it. And it was crazy. But basically, this monitor, this Panoptes, it goes um, the oh, what they were they. They had these chambers, and it's the deepest known vertebrate nest in the world. Jesus. It was 3.6 meters deep, far exceeding that of any, uh, I think up to that point, 0.9 meters was the average, and that belonged to the leatherback sea turtle. Um, God, man. And just think it's like the baby's got to hatch, and it's got to go through all that just to get to the surface where it's eaten by a bird. Like it is. And the interesting thing thing about that is that the babies go up a different way. Yep. They're not coming up. You would think that they would go out the one side. I guess that's really maybe predation, you know, to avoid that or whatever. Um, 
it was uh, one site, and one site researchers found 97 nests in a four by four meter area, including 21 fresh nests and 76 clutches of eggshells from successful nests in previous years. Jesus. You know, the monitor, uh, the decimation of the yellow spotted monitor populations by the cane toad invasion in northern Australia exposed this lizard as the top predator. Bastard. Exposed the lizard as a top predator and made the argument that they need to study its communal nesting behavior ahead of the invasion front. So that's how they stumbled upon that. Yeah. I mean, it, and I was reading more on the, like, the mom, mom snake is not stupid. Like we said about, like, trying to make sure it's easy. The, most of the time you find these nests in the wild in tree stumps of the vet because they wait for the beetles and the larva, the burrowing beetles, to rip up the interior of the tree stump and make it all soft so she can just slide right in and put the right. eggs right in there rather than having to – I mean we've seen nature documentaries of king cobra moms building their nest, and that's – a trip yeah if you've seen that they yeah. have to they have to drag leaves with their coils into a mound and that's annoying it's been thought that uh diamond pythons do that as that's, well that'd be I insane know, i know josh easter has observed females doing that that was in captivity i don't well, know if no, there's but, ever been and, a study that has shown that but well of course because what we do is we give them all this really nice box to put their eggs in or a water bowl <laughs> so it's yeah. like it like if you took everything out of there and just gave her a mound of leaves she'd ball it up so she could get under there and this is another thing that mm. like really stood out to me right we talk about this with monitor well we don't talk no about we don't it, do that we don't have talked about legs. with monitor lizards <laughs> as far as the idea that if you don't, and you know this, Owen, because you've you've I do know this. Been in, I do been know what you're talking about. Monitors. Yep. But if you don't have the nesting, she will hold on to those eggs till she dies. Like that is, Correct. yeah. She will not lay so those eggs. Why would that be far fetched with snakes? And maybe snakes are less forgiving of that. Or, but like I never hear. We never talk about it. I never hear anybody talk about it. The nest box is often like sort of like this thing that's sort of like an afterthought, right? right? It's at least for me, like it's shit, man. You know. But here's the thing, like with, and I and I don't know if this applies to to my room or whatever, but this is where these little nuances of how people do this will make a difference in maybe their success or lack of a success. But like, you know, breeding carpets in these big tubs, uh, basically what I would do is that I just got a bunch of sphagnum moss and I just threw it in the entire tub. Made their the whole entire tub, tub. The lay box. Yeah, yeah, the entire thing. Yep. So th my thing, you know, Zach Baez was the one that sort of turned me on that ad idea. And the reason was is because – well, she can basically pick where she wants to mm -hmm. go. It's just like a big, huge nest box. You know, she's going to feel comfortable. She's hidden away. You know, all these things that maybe are stressing that female out, right? Because maybe it's just like, you know, it's just instinctual for them to sort of be like want to hide away right. because of, you, you know, just reading all this, this, this stuff that they have to do in order to produce a clutch of eggs is just you know, is crazy. Mm -hmm. And maybe the reason why, you know, maybe part of the reason why snakes do it a little are more successful and maybe is not as picky with the nesting boxes that, you know, uh, you know, maybe they just, maybe it has to do with the other females in the room. So if you have other females laying eggs to, to what's your point, maybe they're picking up on those cues and they're saying, okay, it's okay to lay eggs here, you know, like, well, that, you and, know, I mean, we, we talked about this a few times that my original hide boxes were those 10 gallon tough totes where I cut like a U shape in the front 
and threw yeah. the lid out and put it on top. And right. they kept wanting to sit on it, so it kept bowing. And also, every time I wanted to do anything, I would lift it up. And I had more females lay outside of that than right. inside of it. Like they they go under the paper, they'd find a nook uh, underneath a ledge where they where it was they were off to the side. When I changed it to those harder plastic things and kept the lid on it where they have to climb into it, but they can also sit on top of it where I don't have to rip it open and compromise the hide all the time. I've never seen them lay anywhere else. Even my Madagascar right. hog knows they know this is a really? safe place. Yeah. The safe place to put the eggs. Wow. They will put them here. The corn snakes can't get hit to the trick and now they can the rhinos, but cause they'll just put them, they'll bury them. They will go, they right. will go underneath the water bowl, dig out a small little nook and then they'll put the eggs there. Wow. So, you know, it just, yeah, man, I, you know, I think of, here's another thing mm -hmm. that just popped in my head as we're talking about this, but like, you know, going back to the, uh, the, uh, monitor lizard, mm -hmm. uh, uh, nest, mm -hmm. right. So like they have these, um, you know, deep, deep nests and, you know, it's what are the seven to 10 months of incubation yeah. for yeah. monitor lizards. Right. And they inhabit areas where long dry seasons, you know, mm -hmm. are, are there and, and it, it's very dry and, you know, but if you watched any type of survivor show, right. You know, if you're in the desert and you're trying to get some moisture, like if you dig down deep enough, there's you're going to eventually yeah, hit some, some, some moisture. So like, they're possibly the reason why these, you know, monitor lizards are going this deep is because they're trying to get to that, you know, perfect temperature for, um, those, you, uh, yeah. you know, those eggs, you know, um, it's, <clears throat> so, you know, uh, what was it? Uh, the uh, nest excavation by mothers can take up to two weeks. Jeez. Um, that's just crazy amount of energy that, that, that's that they insane. would have to do. But anyway, if she's, if she's taking those eggs down there, it just goes, it, the, the immediate thing that pops in my head is the care sheet, right? Yeah. Because this animal is from the desert. It wants dry conditions all right, the time. Right. And, and that's like, not true. Like it, correct. Just because the habitat is dry doesn't mean where it spends the majority of its time. And also, you know, we're, we're, like, you know, monitors of Africa, they're breaking into termite mounds to put their eggs in there because those are the like they're perfectly temperature like they're, they're regulated and all that other stuff and protected because it's like concrete. So right. it's. Yeah. So the the it would make sense mm -hmm. <clears throat> from a from a standpoint of that they would share these nests because the mother again, if it's taken two weeks to do it. Screw the it. amount Why of energy I, yeah. that that would have to be. They could save that energy and time mm -hmm. by doing it communally in a suitable area, um, you know, that they could, you know, yeah. regardless of the cost and the benefits, you know, that those, the mothers of both species are, you know, going to that nest and, you know, each year and, you know, who knows what they're, how are they interacting when they're there? You know, right. uh, are they all getting along and laying or is it like one female can't come into the nest site until the other one's gone <laughs> because they're going to get right. pissed off? Like, yeah, I don't know. And I guess this isn't known at the t at this time, but they basically in the book, they predict that other large monitor species with long incubation periods 
that must span a long dry season, mm-hmm. aka the parenti, <laughs> will also nest communally and at great depths. And That's I guess nuts. they're trying to study that right now. So you go dig a bunch of holes in, you know, Australia. Right. Yeah. I'm gonna <laughs> yeah. find them parenti eggs. <laughs> like <it's- laughs> um yeah, so this was the other thing that I was talking about with mm. the pine snake. Um, it excavates its own nesting burrow in sandy sites in New Jersey. Um, they excavate by pushing forward in the sand with their head and snout, mm-hmm. crooking the neck, capturing the sand in the crook, and then bringing it out of the burrow in a dump pile. <laughs> that's crazy. And that's that's nuts. It's very similar to what we've seen with Woma pythons, right? Yeah, digging everything you out. Know? I mean, and then yeah. think about it that way. Maybe some of those snakes will not put eggs where they don't think it's clean enough. Or right, you know, I, I did enjoy the the one part where they were talking about um, increased basking with certain because they were talking about how some snake mothers that will do maternal incubation will like they they think they said like what sacrificing or self-sacrificing and <laughs> yeah. it's like yeah they don't look good like and it was <laughs> they're talking yeah. about how some of them uh they would say that none of them have actually been observed to having prolong um oh gosh where was it okay uh probably very uncommon in Okay, increased basking has only been documented in a few species, although it's probably very common in cold the cold areas. This few snakes, such as the carpet python, Morelia spilota. I guess they're talking wow. diamond, right? I mean, probably you got to yeah. think about Does it, it that say way. Richard Shine after that? Uh, no, it doesn't shine? do that. It doesn't quote shine. Oh, wow. I mean, it has right. to be a shine paper, right? You know, it doesn't say it. Huh? Weird. But that makes the most sense then, where it's like some species are able to regulate it without having to worry about it. But like diamonds and animals from cold weather spots need to the help of the sun, which is something yes. else where it's like uh, I, you got to think about it with this, you know, bolins, white lips, any really dark colored snake have got to be from extreme temperatures where they have to soak in as much sun as possible, especially the females, especially when they're on eggs. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it was, um, there was a study done that they talked about and this, and this is the cool thing, mm-hmm. right? When you start to keep these other species, you start to like, Oh, okay. I know that. Yeah. So there's <laughs> velvet geckos, Oedora, uh, I think it was Lush. Shirai, mm-hmm. Lucirai, I think. And um, they preferred to nest in nest sites with hatched eggshells already over empty nest sites. So, so they they sought out a good a good nest site. Yeah. There. Right. Well then hell, like, you know, uh, so obviously you can breed the velvet geckos in you said there were velvet geckos, right? Yeah. You can breed the velvet geckos in captivity. But would that increase your chances? Of like breeding maybe your first year or breeding successfully if you threw a couple if you kept say say first year you get eggs next year if you got, kept the shells from the first year and just scattered them in like a nest box like could you get her to put the eggs where you want her to? I guess my thought would be that if you could, I think that would, I think that's an idea that would work. Yeah. I think as long as the temperature and the humidity and those triggers are right, 
I think, yeah, why I, not? I wonder if it's clearly it's it's showing that it's been studied that that's what they're doing will, in the wild. So why wouldn't they do that? Now I'm I wonder. Say you had a carpet python that would never put the fucking eggs in the goddamn lay box, right? If you threw one or two carpet eggs, or even maybe the first year you're breeding a carpet, you throw a couple eggshells you kept over from last year in her lay box. Will she get the hint and put them there? But this is your first year breeding. Well, it's like or you, I, I mean, oh, you're saying two, if you have like various hypotheticals, carpet? various hypotheticals, like me right now. I have various carpet pythons. I have various old carpet python eggs that I've kept that have dried out and become so those it's a different leathery, mom. different mom. Is what you're saying? Let, okay, two, okay. Let's say I'm following two you. different moms. One, it's her okay. first year, right? And I and I know she's gravid, and I want her to put the eggs in the egg box. If I put the shells from previous years in the egg box. Do you think she'll get the hint and put them in there? I don't know. I would be very curious right. to see if that would happen. And then you know? the second scenario is I have a female that never puts her fucking eggs in the egg box, but has bred huh. before. What if I put the eggshells from last year in the box? Would she get the hint? Would she be like, this is a safe place? Clearly, this clutch hatched and there was nothing wrong with it. Nobody disturbed it. This is a great place to put mine. Yeah, I think... I. Th I mean, according to what we're reading in this book, I would Geckos think that, that would be Geckos are smarter than snakes, possible. apparently. So it's like, <laughs> well, even they talk about snakes, yeah. but they're basically, in a nutshell, what they're saying is, uh, you know, a, 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 a gravid female snake is, you know, she's looking to save time and energy, reduce predation. Um, she wants to make sure the babies will survive, especially she. She wants yes. And how do you do that? And I'm sure that there's, to your point, what they talked about earlier, and you said it earlier, where they'll follow the, the trail is following yeah. the trail of the other females. Well, and that's you know? the thing was like, um, so obviously, if there's two schools of thought with that, even with snakes, the females that will protect the eggs and the young, and the females that will just lay the eggs and and peace out. I think females that will lay the eggs and leave definitely look for communal nests and definitely look for possible signs that this is a safe place if they go to lay their eggs and there's obviously it looks like a clutch that was there before got ripped into by like a raccoon not a good right. place to put the babies she might right. move on but if there's a bunch of old eggshells or you know sense of females that go back years this might be a good spot yeah, I mean, they say this over and over again with multiple species, geckos, snakes, uh, crocodilians, mm. uh, turtles. And we've uh, seen lizards, that. Lizards, monitors, where they'll specifically go to nest sites and they'll, well, you know, all those rat snake yeah. eggs that they found in well, the one spot. Even then, it's just a good spot because, like, you've seen the videos of carpets where, like, they're like, oh, I'm going through the mulch pile and here's three fucking female carpets all sitting on eggs. It's like, right, yeah. Yeah, there's that picture where yeah. the two females are together, right, side by side uh, on on the eggs. Um, you know, I wonder too how much of it is habitat loss and yeah. the fact Forcing that they can't find suitable nest sites. So maybe they've adapted to be, you know, to do I this. Mean, uh, I would say a good nest site is a good nest site, but you know, to your point, if all the other good nest sites are gone, like. If this was, if we had this big old tree stump in this giant forest in the middle of prime habitat, I'd say the majority of the animals would still use it to put their eggs in. But when it's the right. only thing in the middle of a field, all the animals are going to put their eggs there. So, yeah. 
Yeah. I think they also talk about uh, that there has been evidence that, you know, in these communal egg laying sites, that there are some some drawbacks to it as well. Mm. And, um, you know, some of the costs were like where high densities of nesting mothers associated with communal eggs um, can lead to destruction of nest or eggs by the conspecific nesting mother, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, in lizards and turtles. And I think Tuatora and crocodilians were the same way. Yeah. If you dig up somebody else's nest to put your in there, you're going to fuck up their (laughs) shit. Yeah. Um, or even then you are putting all the eggs in one basket, like, like quite literally. So if all the black rat snakes put all their eggs in that one tree stump, and then something happens and that thing kind of gets hit by lightning or that there's a flood thing or whatever, like, I, or somebody chops it down, which is what that picture was, is they felled it and they found all those eggs in there. Um, that's it. I mean, you just devastated the population for that area for a whole year. So... As we know with COVID too, I think one of the other drawbacks is, uh, you know, the cost of uh, increased disease transmission. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. there's very high uh, nest uh, densities lead to. <laughs> what was the, uh, I think it was like in 2019, it was like, this is the best year for sea turtle nests. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we can't all go to the, like humans are, <laughs> yeah, humans yeah. have been removed. It's like, yes. when you pull us out yes. of the equation, all the animals seem to do better. It's like, Weird. Huh. <laughs> How about that? That's so odd. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I keep checking back to see if Lucas answered he us. He won't but, answer uh, us. He He's not. busy doing something He's, else. He's on break. That's he, uh, that demerits. That's loss of, you know, give him a very poor grade, Dr. Loafman. So I think there was, uh, there was, um, they talked about this uh, beetle that seem to exploit nests of black rats yeah, yeah. more readily than solitary nests. So that could also be, you know, a, right. a drawback. And I, and I don't know if the female would realize that. I don't, I, I don't I, think she I, would. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we've also said like monitors will leave eggs in termite mounds and stuff like that. I'm not sure if the termites would hurt them or do anything right. to them, but I don't think they would necessarily be, um, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what they do with or stuff like that. You see, so. you see this a lot with birds, right? Oh, so, birds and this have is, their own. Like, there are some birds that will go into a nest, kill all the babies, leave yes. their own egg, and then fly out. <laughs> it's like, and then, and then, the, the, and then the, dumb parent, yeah, the dumb parent birds are like, "This baby is twice the size of us," but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think of like you know, this is the the picture that came into my mind when I was down in Florida yeah. in the uh, Everglades, I think of those uh, trees with all the, I don't know what kind of bird it is. It's that big white bird, some kind of stork I'm assuming. Mm. Um, but they would be up in the, uh, in the trees, mm-hmm. you know, and you, there would just be hundreds of them, you right. know, and, and all these baby birds, I think of like flamingos, they do the same thing. Penguins, they do the same, right. You know well, what they, I mean? I mean? Like they... you think of like, they're flying to an Island. Yeah. And they're like, you know, the mutton birds that the, you know, over in Australia that uh, the the one, um, uh, what is it? Uh, the, uh, is it a black snake? I don't know. I don't, Some don't. kind of venomous snake. There's a venomous snake over in, in Australia that's on one of those islands where, you, you know, it pecks away its uh, its eyes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You yeah, know what I'm talking, what about? talking about now, yeah. I, it's, I can't remember the species, but... But, but I, I would say a lot of bird stuff is done... 
because birds will do continual parenting and stuff. So, like, there's a flock of flamingos, and they all stay together because that's how you not die. Um, and they'll all nest in the same kind of areas, but they won't take care of each other's kids. Like, it is, it, it <laughs> right. is very much the very much the where's mine? Who the fuck are you? <laughs> like, it is um, right. So, and the same thing goes with penguins and this other. They will nest and they will be near each other but it is on the individual parents of each chick to take care of it so right um this was the thing that i was sort of talking to with keith mm. right mm. um i sent him a message but i remember ari talking about how when he would go and look for these females and their egg and their nests bolonai that they would take bolonai yeah bolonai yeah, 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 yeah. sorry well i mean um, if we're talking about i just, keith, just yeah <laughs> i just assume if we're talking about ari and keith we we'll know okay. yes yeah, two of them sorry. are really really into i guess a boa species of some kind i don't know yeah, <laughs> yeah. i thought it was bearded dragons oh yeah, yeah, yeah. keith is obsessed with beardies yeah yeah um <laughs> But could it be that that female is looking for other females that are nesting in that area? Well, because I remember him talking about how there was multiple, uh, you know, nests, shells in eggs, that area, shed, shit, right? Yeah. So does she need that in order to feel secure? And then the other thing was that I thought that maybe with Bo and I in particular, I don't know why I keep going back to this thought that there's some kind of migration thing with them because you never see the males. Mm -hmm. You never see male Apodora. You know, that's another one. It's on that same Island. Does it seem weird that these two really big pythons, you know, you don't really come across males. So I don't know why that would be, but anyway, the thought would be that, uh, does she seek out the nest site from where she was hatched? Similar like turtles. Well, turtles will seek out the Because beach. they would have to be very – well, yeah, 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 yeah. But what I'm saying is when you have this montane mm -hmm. python that's like in an environment that's so – not conducive to a python <laughs> you know what i mean like uh, surviving uh that maybe that they have some kind of of some kind of uh, thing that takes them back to their original um where they hatched yeah. and you yeah. know this idea of why we can't get these females to lay eggs is because maybe they don't they're they're the stress is too much and they, they don't feel comfortable laying it there. Similar to what you would see mm -hmm, in monitors, mm -hmm. uh, you know, where they're just not going to do it. Um, and maybe the people that have had success, maybe for whatever reason, they've had those animals since they were so young and they got them fresh, fresh imports or born without in a any... farm and not necessarily yes. born so in the wild. Correct. Yeah, I, right. I get what you're saying. And I would also say that, but also, I would say a lot of stuff with that. I imagine it's the female realizing that this is a good spot because right. she can survive with the eggs here because the climate environment is so harsh for them. And like, she's like, this is good because I can get to the sun. I can get to this. Obviously the other females have had success here. So I would say a lot of, cause I mean, dude, birds will, Birds will build their nest on the remnants of another bird's nest that was left over from the year before because right. they know it's a safe spot. Obviously, this bird, their babies went all the way, so why not do the same thing? So um, 
I would say it's that. I, I I don't know. I that makes a lot of sense to me too. Is that they just they don't feel comfortable enough to continue down. Reptiles are very good at shutting down the entire process and like hitting the reverse yeah. button on that. So I don't know. It's tough to think about. It's so weird and so cool. Yeah. They talked about um, reptiles in a colder climate. And again, mm -hmm. this is what, uh, you know, why I'm thinking of this, yeah. but suggested that communal nesting in a colder climate, right, mm. has therm, you know, the, I think it was five degrees Celsius warmer with a communal nest than it was with a solitary nest. That's so weird. And you would think, I mean, you just got this mass of eggs and you got multiple masses of eggs that the heat coming off those eggs are going to, you know. Well, the heat coming off a mom, more. because if she's all, if it's a, well, yeah. if it's a if python, python, if we're, yeah. if we're talking yeah. python, that's, you got a bunch of moms kicking off heat by doing that. That's, damn. Yeah. So, or know. Keith, what he has to do is he has to get his male to breed his female, and he has to bring his female back to Indonesia so it can lay the eggs there back in its old nest where it feels comfortable. So, right. yeah. I just think of, uh, you know, to fly they back talk and forth about, every year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Much study Much needed, study needed man. <laughs> Dear Dr. Logan. <laughs> If you are going to be sending grad students over to Papua New Guinea to study, can I, can I, I, my, I volunteer? Can I be the manager? <laughs> can I manage? I have experience managing. <laughs> yes, uh, but uh, yeah, basically, they the, you know they talked about they did have a chapter where they talked about the benefits to the mom. Mm -hmm. We sort of hit on this as we're going through, but uh, you know, uh, basically, communal egg laying would provide. Uh, savings in energy and time, increasing the likelihood that she would survive into the next season. Um, you know, mothers could reach reduce ener uh, energetic costs uh, associated with searching for the site, mm -hmm. uh, assessing potential egg laying site characteristics. Um, you know, there's just so much that you would think that uh, would help them out by doing that. So it just kind of makes sense that they would. And why did I never think about this before <laughs> reading this book? You know? So it just makes me think like, what else am I not thinking about when it comes to, and then that's, and that's probably the theme of this entire book is that it like, it slaps yes. you with a fact and you're like, I don't know why I didn't think about that. <laughs> like it is like, yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. That makes sense. Like why would the female burn more energy if she doesn't have to? Yeah. Yeah. It, you would think that the idea is, is that you're trying to survive and you're trying to reproduce. You're trying you to, know? you uh, have to make sure that your offspring survive and a secondary thought that you get to live also. <laughs> like that is the whole right. point is make sure the offspring get the best shot they got to move forward. But then also you don't want to die either. So that's your mission. You know, the feeling I got from this book was sort of the feeling that I got when I first saw the blue Bible, the breeding mm -hmm, of pythons mm -hmm. and bows in captivity, right? Mm -hmm. Because it was at the beginning 
stage of that. And there was so much to learn. And there were so many hypotheses through the book. And it really got your, your mind going and thinking about, you know, how are we going to successfully breed all these species of pythons and boas mm-hmm. in captivity and da, 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 da. And I think this book is sort of the similar thing, but now it's like taking it to the next level where they're looking at animals in the wild as opposed to animals in captivity. And, you know, basically it's, it, you know, they say it multiple times. It's just, there, there, there's evidence for this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of it is hypotheses and, you know, uh, more study needs to be done. But that's, so. but that's how it starts. You observe something, then right. you come up with a hypothesis or a question or why this is a thing. And then you figure it out and you move forward. And you know what, if this is something that can help with reptile keeping, or even just not even breeding, just keeping like, right. cause that's the other part of it too, is like, the, I'd say there's the majority of reptiles in captivity do not live up to their full potential of no. age range. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Maybe this is something a part of it. Like, you know, this is not just, you know, care, but also, you know, stimuli, you know, it's, there's a bunch of different stuff that can come with it. So, Right. One of the, yeah, one of the things that another one, again, why I really dug this book is they talked a lot about geckos mm-hmm. and they possess the highest incidence of communal egg laying among lizards. Yeah. They showed that one uh, picture of that dude's hand against the cave wall. Yeah. Holy shit. Right. I was, I was, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So they showed it a close up of uh, gecko eggs uh, up against like a cave wall. And you you see a couple, but then you also see like the remnants of older eggs there. And then it pans out and the dude's hand is up against the wall and there's eggs covering like way bigger than his hand. But then you see the remnants of eggs everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. How many generations of eggs were laid on this one (laughs) fucking spot? And I think most species of geckos only lay two eggs. Yeah, but shell is like, you know, again, how many generations of geckos hatched from this cave wall in this cave spot? Well, the thing that got me thinking about, um, you know, they call it natal homing, Mm. but basically it's like uh, to to, to return to its birth site uh, to nest. Um, but velvet get there was a velvet gecko that did that mm-hmm. that returned to its birth site to nest and uh, I think that uh, I think they said green iguanas also uh, did it. Yeah, they don't uh, necessarily have to. Yeah. Obviously, obviously sea turtles do it. Yep, right, yep, that's yep. probably what we you know. That's what we we all we all have most the, associate right. We have that. that one animal that we're like that does it, and then when you're like other animals <laughs> do it too, they're like what? Like yeah, right, what? what? No, it's sea turtles. Like yeah, and others. <laughs> like oh yeah, Uh yeah. So sanity. Uh, there were I, a couple other things that I highlighted, and yeah. then, you know, I guess we can. But crocodilians, um, when they're building their nest, they actually which eggs are laid in layers. And they suggested to do this so the females ins- ensures that both males, males and females, females. Are, are produced. Yep. It hasn't been proven, but this is, uh, you know, that 100%, but this is, uh, you know, the uh, claims of this. Um, and then uh, I think that led, 
me to like one of the coolest things with crocodilians is they they go into parental care um dude that yeah <laughs> okay yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you and i were yeah. geeking out about this before yeah, yeah i know what you're yeah. talking about it's nuts um yeah they have the one picture of the male siamese crocodile feeding its offspring it has a it has a prey item in its mouth and it's holding it so that the babies can rip pieces off of it. And that's the fucking male. <laughs> like it is like, <laughs> yes. Are you serious? Yeah. They exhibit by parental care and feed their young. I think I mean, it, dude, there's another, there's another example in the book and they talk about an alligator. Right. And this was in the seventies. And it was, um, obviously this was, you know, um, this was just an observation, but they described watching a mother hold a decomposing pig's head in her jaw while the babies tore off pieces. small pieces and ate them. But you don't like, we've all seen the nature documentaries of the babies hatch. They call mom rips open yes. the top. She scoops them up in her jaws. Very nice. And then brings them to the water's edge and she hangs out with them. And I figured that was it, but to have them like feed the babies. Like, it was, <laughs> yeah. I figured it was like, all right, you guys are good. You're in the water. Hope you guys make it. Eat your food. I'll be here to protect you. If anything tries to kill you, kill you. But that's right. it. I mean, but no, they're like, oh, here's food. Like here's prey. It's like, what? Right. It's insane. Yeah, they talked about, uh, you know, parental care can make a big difference in survival rates of crocodilian offspring. So obviously it's selected for, right? Yeah. You know, so these they've evolved to to, to do this. And and it's just, uh, I don't know, man, this the, the, the book is just, it just fascinating. Dude, and me. even I, the female rattlesnake pictures of like the one timber with her babies in the coils. And she's just oh, sitting there. Yeah. I mean, that's just awesome. I know there was um, a study done not too long ago, maybe it was a few years ago, uh, with African rock pythons mm -hmm. and the fact that it was thought that as soon as they begin to hatch, the female leaves the nest right away. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's it was shown that she sort of stayed around for, you know, uh, a little bit longer than would have uh, would have thought. And you see, if you had told me that like two years ago, I would have been like, because she's fucking exhausted. Now I'm like, I don't <laughs> yeah. fucking know anymore. <laughs> like it is. Right. Yeah. Right. Jesus. Right. And I guess that's really the whole, the, I mean, I I've talked about this book a lot. Yeah. And we were going to Texas. Was it? You went to I Texas. Think it was last year. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah. went to Texas. The year yeah. came out. We went with THP. I was reading this book and I remember talking to Justin Julander and I was basically telling him like, dude, you have to get this book. This is, this yep. is, I told Keith too, but he didn't get it. I was like, Keith, this is right up your alley. For shame, this, Mr. McPeak. Is, For shame. All written all over. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is, this is Keith to a T. Um, but, uh, you know, and Justin too, right? Oh, oh yeah. The, oh yeah. To that like natural history of the animals and, and, and understanding these, but anything these to get your, secret social lives of reptiles, right? Anything. <laughs> it says it right there in the cover. Like, it's, <laughs> but, but anything, I, I think as a reptile keeper or even just an animal keeper in general is the second you become stagnant and you stop thinking about different yeah. things that you can do to help improve, not only your ability to keep the animal, but the animals live in captivity is when you should give up like you cannot become stagnant so yes i'm not saying that 
we change everything because shit works, but there's some stuff in here that maybe helps with some of the problems that we have and hurt the culture and right. to think outside the box and to get stuff going. I mean, it, this is the kind of stuff that we accidentally stumble across. Cause like people are like, Oh, you could always just combat the male. Somebody had to fuck up and put two males in with a female and watch them combat and then have yeah, success right. before they realize right. that's a fucking thing we can do. This is something right. else. Let's maybe not screw up. Let's, <laughs> learn <laughs> like, right so right but that's but this is awesome and this is the kind of stuff that you want to i want to think about like i maybe i actually was thinking about this the other day the next time the two team are in the same cage i'm going to close off the one grab that extra mail and let him spend the weekend and like spend him have him spend the day cruising around the other cage hook him right. out and then see what that does yeah. So. Yeah, man. That's the, that's where you learn, you know? Yeah. Um, they did, I know you brought it up earlier mm. and you were saying that, um, I think you said this, but a few snakes such as carpet pythons and the King Cobra actually nest. Uh, build yes. nest mounds. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, if you haven't seen, like, I mean, there's, there's, there's several King Cobra documentaries out there. If you have not seen a mother King Cobra build a nest, yeah. I mean, you want to talk about exhausting, like turtles and crocs and monitors, they just got to dig. <laughs> like, you know, this is a leg, right. this is a limbless animal dragging <laughs> mulch across. Like, and all they do is just mound up these leaves in this big ass pile, and then she'll get right. in there. And uh, there have been, I've seen several things where like a snake catcher is walking up on a female that built a mound and they're like, he's like, Oh, that's a Cobra nest. They're like, are you sure? And then she like rises 10 feet up out of it. And they're like, Oh yeah, I'm pretty sure there she is. So, you know, right. it's, it's cool. They talk about, um, true Cobras and some pit vipers are sometimes said to exhibit pie by parental nest guarding. Um, this is disputed, uh, but there are observations of males visiting female, rattlesnakes with litters uh but it's often unknown if the males are related to the females yeah, but, the that's, but that's the problem is when you have something like a a rattlesnake that they all have the communal dens you can't sit there and be like a male showed up it's like well he yeah he lives here like it is yeah yeah, yeah i see that picture now with the, the crocodile holding he's the, like oh, here you are my babies <laughs> it's like oh my god oh my god Holy that's shit. Nuts. <laughs> Yeah. Like I thought only dinosaurs did that. And I'm like, oh wait, yeah, they do. Oh, the, <laughs> so. Yeah, and there was the the uh I think it was the timber rattlesnake. Um basically uh you see the male at the nest site yep. with with the the female and the and the babies. And the babies, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know, man. It's uh, it's really cool. Really really cool. Cool stuff. So, I highly recommend this book. Uh if you're a nerd, yeah. Uh, for reptiles and, and, uh, you know, or um, animal keeping in general or animal. Stuff. Yeah. Um, the good thing it's is, great. is that, uh, all the members of our studio audience are going to get a copy to go home with them today. So, <laughs> uh, if you just check under your chairs, it, uh, yeah. right there, you get, you a, get book. a book and you get a book. Unfortunately, Everybody. you have to be in the studio to receive your uh, copy. So, is that how it Yeah, goes? that is. Uh, it's the fine print. Enough. Sorry, guys. All right. Yeah. It's, it's always in the, de it's always <laughs> the, in the details. It's always in the details. Fair enough. But it's, it's cool. It's fun. And 
it's <laughs> I hate you because my book collection back here has been slowly expanding and the majority yeah. of it is your fault, especially those new ones where you're like, oh, my God, there's a book sale. And I'm like, I don't need that book on sea snakes. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait, you see behind me, right? Yeah. This one bookshelf yeah, here. Yeah. That's all Australian books. <sighs> I had to move. See the you don't even see it. You had to move it that? over. See that pile that's behind the chair? Right Rejects, yeah. Just like this high? <laughs> yeah. That's all snake stuff that was up on that top shelf, but I have so many books now that I had to take them off. Uh, yeah. Anything I want? <laughs> oh, in the bottom? Yeah. I, I do have- On the floor? Uh, there's a couple. I have like a doubles of crocodilian books I already stuff, have a so. crocodilian book you gave me that I haven't looked oh. at. Oh, maybe there's another one. Oh, my know. God. <laughs> Give it to Keith. That's what I keep doing now with my duplicate. This shelf is all rattlesnakes. Nice. That's all rattlesnakes. I need more. I need a bigger bookshelf. Like I have. So do I. I. I'm sitting here. I'm like, I need a bigger bookshelf. I need a bigger room. I need a bigger house because I, I don't have yes. any. I don't have any fucking room here. I, I guess I got to put a bookshelf on top of the roughies now. Like it <laughs> oh, is dear, oh, ridiculous. Dear. So, yeah. But uh, yeah, so I hope that uh, you know the idea is that we we wanted to take a book specifically and really go in depth with it and sort of talk about some of the things that we took away from the book rather mm -hmm. than just say, go buy this book. So hopefully everybody enjoyed it and you go get your copy of the book and we, we, uh, we will be doing this again. And we're going to put uh, it up on the, um, the website just kind of like in there. What we had that Morelia library, NPR library, right? Yep. Yep. So yep. we're going to throw it up there as a recommendation. Um, we're not famous enough to get like little NPR logos or stickers on the covers. So it's like, <laughs> <laughs> that's not going to happen, but um, yeah. it's definitely very cool. And even if you're not necessarily uh, a snake guy like us, uh, or I'm sorry, me, other people have right. left me and now are yes. traders. Um, but it, it does go into crocodilians, monitors, lizards, geckos, all kinds, all yes. kinds of stuff, turtles. So even references birds. I know. Well, yeah. <laughs> they kept referring to reptiles as <laughs> non, yeah, non, this, non, this, non avian, like uh, non. Oh yeah, it was non avian. Non avian birds. birds. Yeah, and I'm like, no. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> no. no. <laughs> don't, don't say Going that. Going to the non avian, non -avian bird. The non -avian, non avian show, bird show today. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> but oh. uh, yeah, it's it's definitely very cool. So okay. So I guess now we'll do some housekeeping yes. things, uh, things. Uh, but uh, one is Gakato Radio is oh. is live. <laughs> Gakato Radio is live, and the first episode is up. Uh, that's a podcast with uh, myself, um, Nipper Reed, and Phil Wolf, um, and uh, it's up on all platforms. So it's on iTunes, Spotify, Google. Amazon, yeah, whatever, whatever podcast that be. What are you um, discussing? And have you replaced me? No, 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 no. 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 Oh, when are you going to learn? There's no replacing you. <laughs> you can't replace never, you. Never, never. Always, I always. Many podcasts always have tried to replicate you, <laughs> but none have been I successful. Have to, I have to always <laughs> maintain vigilance, or that's when it'll happen. So, yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. I just, so, so the old, uh, you know, I sort of talked about mm. this on the, in this show of the, the opening thing of the rate of the gecko podcast, mm. but, um, you know, I, 
I, I wanted to really talk about Australian geckos and obviously nippers on an Australian gecko kick. You did that to I him. sort of have some Australian <laughs> geckos. Yeah, I broke them. You, you, you broke and uh, now Riley's <laughs> entering into the fray. Huh. Um, but uh, uh, I didn't want to do it on NPR because I wanted, you know, I, I think the thing is, it's like we talk about specific things we do and obviously we want to talk about things that you know we're into which is sort of like why you did the colubrid thing with riley right. you, and i was like well, you, no, you want to no talk about <laughs> you want to talk about geckos and not have it turn to you know they're kind of like snakes in this way <laughs> like just turn well, the boat <laughs> it's not even that it's not even that I, I i wanted it to be with people that were and it's not saying that you don't like geckos per se but i i don't know i don't trust I, an I don't animal that comes in pieces like you know it's <laughs> If it's an animal that after a certain point some assembly is required, I don't trust it. Like, you know, it's what's wrong with it. It can't yeah. be a whole animal for five fucking minutes. Like, you know. Right. Yeah. So I thought it would be it would be good to sort of approach it as its own separate thing. Yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah, so yeah. that's sort of why it's there. So yeah. it's sort of basically an NPR for geckos. Right. Yep. That's basically what it is. So um Gakato Radio, uh, yeah, go check it out. And um it's the first time that the two worlds have been branched uh, of yeah. the two networks. We, 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 it, yeah. would, would this be like a hostile takeover? Or not what yet. Are we, what are we doing? Not, yet. <laughs> not yet. We're gearing up, but not yet. Soon. <laughs> yeah, soon. Um, uh, soon we'll start. When 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 we end up kid, kidnapping Schmitty on his on his walk home, <laughs> you know, that's when it'll be Schmitty, real. I got some bears for yeah. you. Come here. Come here. <laughs> He's sitting at work. Come into the car. He's sitting at work. A van pulls up. Says free Bairds. We'd get him. It'd be easy. He'd come. Free Bairds and a free cigar. He's like, I'm not entirely sure, but I can't pass this up if it's true. So yeah, easily, easily. Exactly. Yep. Oh, that's great. But yeah, it's uh, you know uh, Phil Wolf. He does the. he does the knobtails IG, mm-hmm. which is basically like uh, he's really into knobtails. Well, he's really into all kind of reptiles, but um, knobtails. He sort of felt that didn't really have a um, a place where you Thank know God people could go to book. sort of learn about. Like them. there are well, this was even before the book. <laughs> all right, yeah, but yeah. you know, there's so, there's multiple species that don't have a book. <laughs> like <they're, laughs> I was like, yeah. I was doing that the other day, where I'm like, there is no complete Espedites. <laughs> like that is. Not yep. yet, but um, I'm like, yeah, no liasses, no liasses, no liasses. I'm, I'm chomping at the bit for some of these, you know, the, you know, cognos and other stuff. Like, come on, man. Yeah, they're working on that book. The only right? Yes. one is the Subak. Like, you know, there's. Yeah, of all the, uh, I love, I love Subak. I, I cool. love, I love, they're cool. I have, but the of book. all the, you, all the snakes, Subak? you pick the ones with the goofy eyeballs. <laughs> Like I mean, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. we, I also, mm-hmm. as we, you know, we're slowly but surely, uh, as one podcast sort of gets up and going, we move on to the next one. The next one in the slot, um, really is, uh, the BOA podcast mm-hmm. and that's going to be with, um, uh, Rob, Keith, Warren Booth yep. and Keith, which is going to be fantastic. Yes. I promise that will be fantastic. Um, 
And I moved her history off of the NPR feed. I put it on its own feed. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, you know, that's me, you, and Rob, okay. or me, you, and whoever, or me, you, and insert, it, you know, insert person it, well, here. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Again, just sort of like, I want to like highlight that so that I, I have. I have a feeling that like with carpet pythons and Morelia being a niche kind of thing that, you know, maybe it should be its own thing. I, I like the idea of different... herp history being off on its own because we, yeah. we've, we've, you know, it, it, there's, there's several people outside of carpet pythons that I'd love to talk to on that stuff. Yes. And yeah. I mean, yeah. even just hanging out with Ron St. Pierre and talking about his stuff was, I mean, it's great. <laughs> so, so I'm gonna slow. So I've slowly started moving that over, and once it's approved mm-hmm. and all that stuff, I'll uh, I'll announce right. it that it's on its own thing, so you can subscribe to it. Um, Crap, I'm, I'm gonna move the two podcasts on the network again now. God damn it! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you wrote me into I'm, another one. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I figured you'd want to be in that yeah, one. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, all the ones yeah. you would want to be on. Then yeah, you that would that be the round. one. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's going to be monthly is how that's going to come out. A lot of the new ones are going to be monthly and, um, I'm going to slowly upload the episodes. So we've, so far we've done four episodes. We've done, uh, Keith McPeak, Python Pete, uh, Dr. Ross and Ron St. Pierre. Yep. So they're the four that are up there. So once the four of them are up there, that gives us time to sort of work four on months the to figure out some other of, shit. Of, of guests, <laughs> record a show, and get it out there. Yeah. But like to your point, like we should talk to Kathy and Bill Love, yes. and uh, you know, um, I'm trying to think who else. Uh, you know, p- possibly even people like you know, I know is controversial and whatnot, but like Crutchfield or. Um, trying to think who else might be from, uh, from the old days. Uh, I don't know. There's there's tons there's of people, tons of man. People. I mean, you know, I, I almost wish we could grab some of the old episodes of NPR that we've done with some. Like, you know, we had that one episode with Cameron. Like, yeah, that that's probably could go up there as well. I'd say chop um, that up and throw that into a freaking herp history thing. Um, we've, yeah. we've had multiple really good uh, guys on. Um, Herp history, uh, I no, I can't do it. <laughs> um, uh, I'm like you already spoke to him. Uh, yeah, who? Um, God damn it! Why am I blanking on his name right now? Uh, the rough scale, the herpetologist beard. Uh, oh, Mark O'Shea. O'Shea. Thank you. God damn! Yeah. What the hell was wrong? There? We could probably. I, I at this point now, I could probably get get him again we for could probably do that again. Yeah, I'll wear a tie. I promise. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I'm I'm sure uh, I'll reach out to Scott, and I'm sure there's there's Australian, um, you know, there's prob- uh, there's plenty of people, people that fit out into, that, yeah. into that into that into uh, that group, if you will. Yeah. you know, yeah. uh, old school people. Old school I, people I can't that think were of um, pioneering stuff. I'd like to talk to Bob Applegate. Yeah, that'd be fun. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. um just the amount of things that they've seen. Dude, I, I, uh, I'm serious. Go through the catalog. If we can re-edit some of the old pictures, like uh, or old episodes, Rico's episode should go into her history. Rico would be one. Yeah, yeah, Rico would be one. A lot. So this is what people don't understand. That we've been doing this so long that we've actually had podcasts deleted from our feed. 
like a lot of but them. but no 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 <laughs> that that other podcast you guys mentioned those are that was the longest running reptile podcast at five years that's adorable <laughs> like, <it's, laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i remember that yeah, yeah that made me mad too. <laughs> <laughs> sit down oh that's cute child like um, it's but yeah, that's the that's the whole the whole idea of that uh, the trying yeah. to get that going. So that's going to be on its own feed. Um, let's see what else do we got going on that I've been working on behind the scenes. Um, we're going to uh, kickstart uh, a blog of sorts, I guess you mm-hmm. will. Uh, we've tried this multiple times, and it's going to be from multiple people are going to uh, somebody will write something. It. Yeah, <clears throat> it's going to be like a species specific thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess it's like our version of. Uh, a magazine, if you will, but like blog style. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, so, so look forward to that. I think it's probably going to just be like focusing on the natural history of a specific species. Obviously, you know, if you're feeling uh, some type of way and you want to say something about, you know, something that's going on or something you observed or something like that. Yep. Yeah, there's going to be things like that as well, but, uh, yeah. but that will be over on the website. Um, I'm slowly, but surely like ticking away at that website um, and you know, once it's all done, we'll release it. All our herp trips, um, you know, working on uh, carpet python video 101 stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Uh, I, don't know. I don't know. So many things. We'll, and we'll start, we're definitely gonna start filming more stuff, and especially as we get closer to egg season and yes. baby season and stuff like that. Um, and then, of course, uh, you and I did have a conversation about carpet fest, so. We did. We did. We did. <laughs> I've have gotten a, a conversation. lot of people we asking did about that. Talk about it. To answer your question, yeah. we have no idea yet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, I'll tell people what I said. The problem is, is that there's so there's a couple of issues. Yep. One, we haven't had a carpet fest in in two years. Right. 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 Two years. Three years. Two I don't years. Know. Two years. Three. Two years. Two years. Okay. So we haven't had a carpet. Yeah, we don't fest have one this years. summer. It'll be three. Yeah everybody's itching to including us yes we want to have a carpet yes. fest, right yeah. we don't want other carpet fest to go on and not have the northeast the original the og yeah. you know mm-hmm. it hurts my heart and all that stuff logistically it's hard to do it at somebody else's house just because it's 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 just proven to be difficult with just lining things up so mm-hmm. as soon as me and owen got a house it was like okay this is so much easier and it's already a tremendous amount of work as both of us know. Right. right? Yep. Um, then you throw into it the whole thing. Owen's getting married this year. Yeah. So that, that, is, that's that, another is little, that is happening. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yes. that's, that's another little thing that, that sort of goes into the mix. Um, and you know, my wife's not necessarily against it, but like I was telling you, and again, I'm just going to be straight with people. Right? I asked people not to bring animals to the house. They them. did. They didn't listen. They came from Hamburg. They brought, I cannot go through another year with getting mites in my collection from that. Yeah. I can't. Yep. I can't do it again. Yep. It's, it's fucking draining, man. Mm-hmm. And it's because... I love showing my animals. I love sharing that with people and people getting excited about it. I stay basically in the room the entire Yeah, which is why, day, you know? So yeah, it is a reason that I, I do love it and I do enjoy it. And I know that, you know, you and Rob and my wife and everybody else sort of sometimes gets a little mad at me that I'm doing that. But like, 
I try to save <laughs> you, it. but it's yeah, I do. I enjoy it, but like I can't do the mic thing again. Right. You know, I just I just fucking can't. You know, right. and the fact that I ask people not to do it, I'm trying not to be a dick about it, but they still fucking brought snakes and they still fucking brought reptiles, and it just I don't know, man. It's it's just like you know, I'm I'm trying to do. You know, I'm trying to open my house to people. We're trying to be, you know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't mean to bitch about it. It's not a negative thing. It's not. I love. I st- we'll do it again. It's gonna happen. It will but happen. But it's just a matter of figuing out the logistics. Right. That's and also, sort of if, where we're, at. we're 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 dancing around ideas of possibly having it off site, not at either one yes. of our houses, but just having right. a get together. So yes, there won't be any snakes, but we'll be able to hang out and talk and drink and eat and do all that other stuff. So there's that. Um. I don't know. A lot of stuff still up in the air. If you guys out there who are listening have ideas or want to pitch us ideas, uh, you can always email us at info at moreliapythonradio.com. If it's a terrible idea, we will ignore it. Um, if it's a good one, we might claim it as ours. So right. you have that. So, um, so yeah, that's that's sort of where Carpet Fest is. I, I, I somehow we're gonna have to try to figure it out yeah. and how we're gonna do it and whatnot. And I don't want to limit people coming. I don't right. want to have like right. a cutoff, but I'm just worried that my house. Ha- I mean, the last Carpet Fest we had, my house was all it, we were at max capacity, right? And my house is just a little bit bigger than mine. Your zone, and but like, like that's, and my, <laughs> you can't do it. You have a yard. And you I just have had people like it is right. right. And you just had, you just had, you know, you, just, you, you're in the tr- process of moving and weddings and all this that's stuff. Be you can't year. have people at your yeah, house. Nah, you know what I mean? Yeah. So nah. I'm leaning more and more towards offsite, which yes. may mean that we may have to sell tickets to Carpet Fest because yeah, uh, that's a lot of overhead for you and I to take, but if we find some place that's going to let us hang out for a really long time, up into the wee hours, to chill, eat and drink and have fun, why not? So, we thought about we didn't really like maybe the following year, maybe we'll do something similar to like what was like iCast or yeah, I mean, I, was, I know that something like that. that one of the carpet uh, fest they had it like at um. They had a reptile store that had like party rooms or something like that. So we can we'll figure it out. But I have a an idea of which place worked that well because I went there for one friend's like birthday party and they had it and they didn't I was like fully expecting them to kick them out at like two AM and they didn't. Like I mean, I think oh, okay. right right around I think around two AM is when they told everybody to get off the property, but they right. they let you hang out, they let <laughs> you jam, they let you do your thing. All the way up until when it was basically bar closing time, which is probably where I'd put it too. So, right, yeah, right. So, so we are. I, I you know, I, I must get a message a day about Carpet Fest. So they we don't. Are people don't talk to me. They know better. It. So, um, it's, well, it just comes to the email. I know as it should. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but if yeah. you guys have ideas, pitch them. We're always yeah. listening, and we'll see what happens. But we'll we'll sure. try to get it done. So, yep. Um, and then the last thing I had is, um, mm-hmm. I, uh, the last idea I had was, um, you know, getting sort of, I fucking hate Facebook, but <laughs> Morelia pick of the week. Um, I feel like we've neglected that for very for much so quite a, <laughs> quite a long time. Why? Because it's annoying, but go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah I don't really spend much time. I, I really don't have the time is really what it comes down to, but 
I thought one way to sort of get people to sort of check it out and maybe get conversations going over there or whatever is that um, I posted up today. Um, some of, I have so many pictures of carpet pythons and what green tree pythons <laughs> and scrubs and whatnot that I've just accumulated over the year. But I started to put a picture of uh, uh, GQIJ, Mersal, mm-hmm. um, that um, basically Luke Snell owned. Then he sold it to me. Um, if you have a GQ M pen IJ, uh, out there, you have an animal from this lineage. <laughs> that's the sire. He's the one that I bred poison Ivy to the first year. Um, you know, so I don't know, look forward to that. Uh, I'm going to try to, uh, post up a few times a week of just pictures that I have of, of some of the history of, you know, of Moralia, if you will. Cool. So, uh, if you're into that, if you're looking for those pictures that are hard to find, uh, how can I, I fig- I was trying to figure out like, how can I share these? Mm-hmm. I figured this is the best way. It is. So, yeah. So you can uh, go over and become a member. I promise you though, if you don't answer the questions, you're not. No, you're not in. coming in. Yeah. No, I immediately delete you. I don't care who you are. I delete you. Answer the goddamn questions. There's two questions, man. There's just two questions. And that's only there to keep people <laughs> out me a trying to sell sandglasses. Like, you know, it, come on. And why do you want to be in the group? Right. <laughs> it's not it's that really hard. not that hard. You can just be like, I like carpet python. Why do you want to be in the group? Look, carpet python. Cool. Done. <laughs> see <laughs> above. See carpet python. I like them. All right. Cool. Done. Yes. Easy. This is the one place where you can answer me like the way they do nowadays. <laughs> Why do you want to be in the group? But to not answer at all. Snake emojis, dollar sign. Promises all you right? not to get into the group. I promise you will be deleted immediately. So, so there you go. Um, I think that's all I got. That's all the sort of the, the housekeeping that I got. And, uh, yeah, you should definitely check out this book. Mm. Um, if you, you know, uh, it's definitely one to have. Go check out your local library. They won't have it. So, um, (laughs) (laughs) it's a little bit pricey. It's a little bit pricey. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit pricey, but I'm sure in a, in a few months, you'll see a lot of used ones popping Exactly. Up. Just like do what we do with all the reptile books that we end up buying. Just have a list, put it on your watch list on all the book websites, and then yeah. you'll get an alert when it's for sale and then go grab it. Or like right. I said, I, I keep spending more time at the freaking book table at these reptile shows than I do other ones. You know, yep. I buy enough yeah. snakes already. Yeah. You too. You've added a lot yeah, of snakes as a Still recently. not done. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> <laughs> There's still more There's coming. Still more because I need to pair things and it's stupid. Uh, okay. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough, man. You do you, boo. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <sighs> all right. Well, I guess we'll wrap it up there right at the two hours. I thought we were going to be shorter yeah. than that, but obviously we uh, don't shut up, but lots of talk I, I will say that I did get her to agree that snakes can be added to the wedding registry, but she apparently, um, can, she has to approve all of them, which I said is not fair. Ah. And, uh, we're fighting about that now. So okay. <laughs> is it a, a gift card or is somebody going to bring you a, if I snake. say don't bring snakes to the wedding, people will bring snakes to the wedding. So I'm just going to say don't bring snakes to the don't wedding. Say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> say what you want them to do, do but say the, the opposite. opposite. Exactly. Do that. Yeah. So, yeah. All so, right. Okay. Fair enough. 
All right, so for us, MoreliPythonRadio.com, be paying attention to the website because we're going to be adding to that slowly. And like I said, our trips, our books that we recommend, papers and, you know, about us. Eric, hair care tips. I mean, like, you know, it's... Yeah, my hair is long. I told him <laughs> before we started, man, it's like long. I guess it's... A, you know what it is? I think why I grow my hair, I go from really short to really long, right? Yeah. And I think it's like this thing now that I'm going to be 48 years old that I want to show that I can still grow hair. Look at it. Look at my hair. Yeah. Look at it. Look at these locks. Look at baby. my young man hair, dude. Yeah, dude. Look at it spray around in the in the in the in the air. Oh yeah, yeah. I look like a beetle. I want to hold your hand, but yeah, man, it's I can almost put it in a ponytail. On the top almost, of you can do. You can wear. You can go to work wearing a top knot, and all yeah. your young employees will respect you. Yes, they'll be like, "Yeah, look at Burke, man." <laughs> look, any you walk in like that, anybody who says "looking good, boss" is trying to kick your ass, kiss your ass, and don't trust it. Yeah, I never trust those never people. Use, never. <laughs> I always yeah. be like, I always say, oh, "That's an ass that's kisser." An ass kisser. <laughs> I respect the people that have the balls that come up to me and talk you to me like, like an a person. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. What's with that freaking thing on the top of your head, bro? You're 48 years old, man. Congratulations, <laughs> Mr. Senior Vice President. Like, what? <laughs> can, can anybody say midlife? crisis <laughs> i already been through that been there done that uh I, um but yeah so um <laughs> the fuck website website it was website website so pay attention to the website yeah. info at moreliapod.radio.com if you want to get in touch with us Check out all the cool podcasts that we got on the thing. I'm gonna quick list them off, right? Because we haven't done this Can in you a do long that? time. We got oh, we got the OG, Morelia Python Radio, the one you're listening to right now. Then we have Carpets Cliff Notes, which an episode will be out this Saturday, by the way. Will are uh, we doing that? Yeah, it, it, well, I already recorded oh. it. And I've had it recorded it for a long time. <laughs> And I don't want to overburden you with a third podcast, so I sort of just went by notes, solo notes, on that. But okay, fair enough. Easy. I can do clip okay. notes. Okay. <laughs> All right, fair enough. I will note that. I will note that. Carbon Cliff Notes. Um, we have, let's see, um, we have the Monitor Keeping Podcast. Uh, we have Reptile Fight Club. Um, we have the um, Australian Herpticulture Podcast. Uh we have, um, let's see. Do you not have a list in front of you? You're just trying to do this all off the top of your head? I'm doing it off the top of my, my head. We God. have Carpets and Coffee, which also is a live stream every Friday. Um, we didn't do one last week because that's when I was stuck with President Biden on 95. Yeah, yep. <clears throat> um, we have the Field Herping Podcast. Uh, we have Student of the Serpent, which... I guess Rob's doing the Boa podcast, so I'm solo on that one too. <laughs> <laughs> so that one will be coming out soon. But that's sort of like our natural history episode. Anybody anyway, want to so. audition to be on a podcast with Eric? You just send yeah. your resume to <laughs> info at MoreliaPythonRadio.com. We have uh, Colubrid and Colubroid Radio, um, which is an excellent one. Uh, and obviously, we just added Strictly Shorties, which and is April Justine talking about uh, short tail pythons. Um, we have a Gakato radio to now, uh, has an episode up and has joined the ranks. And we also have herp history going on its own thing now uh, feed yep. now. 
and so what's that? Twelve. Twelve. That's twelve. There are Colubrid Corner is still up there. Oh, There's God, eleven why? episodes. Yeah. Uh, that's sort of been archived, if you will. Yeah, um, no. But uh, and then we have uh, the Bow Podcast that's going to be joining uh, at some point, and. I think the only other one that's there, well, there's two other ones that are up in the air, mm-hmm. uh, whatever Nick is going to be doing. And then uh, we have that one that we talked about with the tech, right? The reptile tech stuff. Right. So, so it's about, I would say right now <laughs> we have 13 and a half because I'm going to call uh, Call Your Brick Corner as a half. <laughs> so, um, yes. so yeah, 13 and a half shows. And that's, that's, we're, we're, I keep saying this, but uh, we're pretty much at max capacity. And then you, and you say that, and then you add like three, and I'm like, "What's wrong with you?" So, no, I, I, pretty much the whole goal was to have a podcast a day, and that's almost where we're at with what we. You have. Know, there's only like seven days in a week, right? There is, but most of them, some of them are monthly. Ah, so okay. All right. Each one comes out on one day of the month. Um, so we need thirty only, podcasts. So only us, mm. Reptile Fight Club, mm-hmm. um, Carpets, and, Carpets and Coffee, and the Australian podcast, Herpticulture podcast, are, are the only ones that are weekly. Okay. Bi-weekly is Colubrid and Colubroid Radio, mm-hmm. Monitor Keeping Podcast. They're bi-weekly. They come out on Wednesdays. Um, and then monthly would be Student of the Serpent, Herp History, Strictly Shorties, Kakado Radio, The Field Herping Podcast, and Carpet Cliff Notes. Cool. Cool. So, so there we go. That worked. And the Boa Podcast. And the Boa Podcast at some point. Yeah. When that goes. So, yeah. So, there you go. That's all the podcast. So, if you're in any of that, we got tons of shit to listen to. Plenty of stuff. No excuses not to know what's going on. If you want to get in contact with any of those guys, they all have, uh, you know, they all have personal Facebook pages and whatnot. Mm-hmm. You can send it to NPR Network Facebook page or Instagram. You can also send an email on info at MoreliPythonRadio.com. I got a message from Ben Frame today. Sent it to, was it Ben Frame? Let me make sure before I go in. No, Ben Cooper. Benjamin Cooper sent it. And he had an idea for Reptile Fight Club. Um, sent it on to those guys. I sent it on to Justin mm-hmm. and Chuck, and they're going to make it happen. Nice. So there you go. So, uh, yeah. So if you want to get in touch with uh, with them or us or anybody on the network, feel free to reach out. So Cool. Lots of stuff. Lots of stuff. Lots right. of stuff. Right. So there's the uh, – uh, obviously, there's the Instagram. There's the Facebook pages. Go check all those stuff out there. There's also the Teespring store where you can get all the swag. After we're done with the website, we're going to start working on that so we can add all the shows, all the things over there for people to grab. And yep. uh, yeah, for Eric, it's EB Morelia for everything. Um, yep. For me, it is Rogue Dash Reptiles for the website and Rogue underscore Reptiles for everything else. Um, and yeah, that's it. That's all we have for you guys this week. So we'll catch everybody next week for some more Morelia Python radio. Good night. <laughs>